Four Degrees to the Streets is designed to empower anyone curious about places and spaces, not just persons with professional degrees or backgrounds. Here we will cover a host of topics, including transportation, health, housing, and the environment through the lens of racism, classism, and sexism, and give listeners the tools they need to overcome institutional barriers. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the number four degrees pod and tune in every other Tuesday where Nemo and Jazz keep it four degrees to the streets. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the four degrees to the streets podcast. You are officially deep in Black History Month. I hope it's going really well for all of you, all of our listeners. Our theme this year, as discussed on our previous episode, Free Flow Fit. Um, is Black Health and Wellness. So in that episode, we spent a lot of time talking about physical activity in the built environment and barriers to physical activity in the built environment, particularly in minority communities and low-income neighborhoods in the Seattle-Tacoma, Washington area. And so this episode, we are here with Ace Yoga LA, and we're going to be having a conversation on mental health and um, all the things around that topic. But before we get into it, Nemo, how are you doing? How's your Black History Month going? What's going on? Hey, I am doing great. Um, We're recording this during Valentine's Day week, which it feels like a week this year. I don't know if it was because it was on uh, the early part of the week. It seems like all the Love activities are just continuing along, but it's actually been energizing me as a singleton person out here. I feel energized seeing all the examples of love and familial love and friendship love. And I just feel all the love and gratitude this week. So I'm grateful. Um, But as Jasmine was saying, our Black History Month theme is health and wellness. Um, And something that we were thinking about in preparing for this episode um, is a term that I learned back in school. in public health classes that has just stuck with me all this time. So that is allostatic load and the impact on health. And so allostatic load is defined as the wear and tear on the body, which accumulates as an individual is exposed to repeated or chronic stress. And why is this particularly important as we talk about health and specifically for black people in this country? Um, And the studies show specifically an NIH article that we'll link in the show notes is that um, Black people in this country have a, um, they are particularly burdened by allostatic load and it contributes to a higher mortality rate. Um, And that is separate of socioeconomic status or health behaviors, which is what we talked about last episode in terms of what are the major causes of death. And some of those could be genetic, some of those could be lifestyle choices, environmental, Whereas allostatic load is particularly frightening because it's a chronic physiological stress that can you can either control or you can't. And a lot of that stress is from things that come um, historically. And think one of the examples that I always think of is when I see a police officer and I'm driving and I'm by myself, particularly when I'm by myself, but anytime. And maybe they pull up behind me and I'm driving down the road and my heart starts beating fast and I feel my body heat raise. That's a stress, um, that's a stress response in, on the body. Um, and so specifically allostatic load looks at that over time and the repeated stress and the impact it can have on your length of your life. So what can you do when you, what are some of the things you can do to, to reduce your stress in this life? Um, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit today with our guests. So I'll turn it back to Jasmine. Thanks, Nemo, for that. I'm going to go ahead and read the bio of our guest. Um, 
Alicia C. Easter is a certified yoga, meditation, joy for life podcast host and master Reiki practitioner with a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration, Human Resource Management from Auburn University. For 15 years, she has worked at the best-in-class commercial real estate firms, Brookfield Properties, and consulting company certified leasing and sales specialist class. Before taking the leap into full-time entrepreneurship. She is the owner and founder of Ace Enterprises LLC, a holistic wellness brand that includes retreats, workshops, yoga, breathwork, meditation, intuitive eating, joyful coaching, and Reiki to help people feel and look their best. It is a journey that began when Ace discovered the emotional healing powers of yoga while grieving the loss of her mother, who died of pancreatic cancer when she was 19. Her mission is to lead and inspire clients by intuitively guiding the transformation of their vulnerabilities into strengths. Alicia believes mindfulness is more important now than ever for individuals and for the strength of their companies to grow. By using a mindfully meditative and sharp approach to her own brand, Ace Yoga LA, Joyful Life, in her marketing and lifestyle agency, AE & Co., she establishes a strong, organic, and fast-growing social media presence and looks forward to doing the same for you and your company. We're so glad to have you on the show, Ace. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Oh, wow. I just have to take a minute. I sometimes like, I don't know if anybody else gets a little squirmy when someone's reading their bio and you're like, dang, I did all that. And you kind of wonder, when did I sleep? Oh yeah, I did take a nap today. So um, <laughs> um, first, thank you all so much for having me, Jasmine and Nemo um, as uh, Jasmine. So eloquently put, uh, my name is Alicia C. Easter, Alicia Krista Easter. I am the daughter of Cynthia Geneva Lawson and the granddaughter of Eleanor Cecilia Lawson and Bessie L. Easter. And they, um, I've invited them. They're my spirit guides, my ancestors um, into this conversation and every conversation I have, um, especially when it comes to um, physical, mental, and emotional health, especially when it comes to having a conversation about the black community and even more juicy, especially when I'm talking to and with black women. So that's me. <laughs> I love inviting your ancestors. Um, I know you have a retreat coming up. We want to give you an opportunity before we get into the episode to talk about that and give us some more information for our listeners. Oh my gosh. Yes. I wish, um, Everyone who's listening and Nemo and Jasmine, y'all could just pull up to Zambia and Zimbabwe with me real quick. Um, no big deal. It's not that far. Um, but yeah, I'm leading my first um, African wellness safari a yoga retreat. And we will be going on safari every single day um, with African Bush Camps, which is a black owned um, Bush Camp Foundation located in Zambia, Zimbabwe, and a few other um, countries with, on the continent of Africa. And um, as I mentioned, they're black owned. And so they're really, it's beautiful space, spaces that we'll get to experience safari each day, um, delicious foods. Um, and the big thing for me with this retreat and choosing them was their give back. So as you heard me mention, the African Bush Camp Foundation is the charity arm of their offerings, which means that every single person who goes there, a percentage of each 
of the investment goes back to the community that surrounds them, goes back to their foundation so they can continue supporting the local community and then also educating their fellow um, rangers. They had a really beautiful thing that they did in the midst of COVID um, in 2020 where you know no one was traveling, no one was coming there. So instead of just kind of sitting on their hands, they um, educated and uh, actually has the largest amount of women rangers of any other um, camp that you would go on safari to. So um, that's where I'm going now. And I'm really looking forward to that experience. We'll be going, um, leaving uh, the States on the 27th um, and I'll be on the continent through March 13th. And I, it's gonna be, I, you know, you set a plan, right? You set a plan, you set an intention, you have a goal in which, which you want to do. You look, okay, we're going to do this at our itinerary, right? And then you're like, okay, God, I, I did my little thing down here. I put my little plan on pencil and paper, my little bullet points and made sure I, you know, got all my stuff together. Do what you do. And you've already done what you've done because I'm going and we're going and the container the community is set there. We get to go there and not only like, I don't like to just go on retreat just to like, it's important to vacation, right? And these are people that are going that work really hard, but especially these sacred lands, which all land is sacred, but specifically a lot of places that can be um, commercialized, um, colonized and all these things and just go and take rather than what can I give, what can I learn, and how can I continue to be a partner here, not just like coming here once and y'all will never see me again. So building relationships and collaborating um, is what is going to be so extra special about this trip. This will actually be my second time on safari, um, which I feel incredibly blessed and grateful before turning 40 that I've gone on, I would have gone on like two safaris, three, I think four, I think I'm going on, this will be, we'll do three different safaris when we're there, but essentially two safaris. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about the trip and, you know, just stay tuned because this will be something that we'll definitely be doing again. And, um, I'll definitely be offering more retreats, um, globally. That's so exciting. Um, let's get into some of the questions. We talked about it in your bio a little bit, but I'll give you an opportunity here to just tell us a little bit more about what inspired Ace Yoga and what is the mission of your organization. What inspired Ace Yoga LA was, 19, I guess going on now, in April it'll be 21 years. 21 years ago, in eight, this coming April, my mother died of pancreatic cancer. I was 19 years old. I was a freshman at Auburn. And um, my whole world completely turned upside down. But instead of me stopping and processing, I just kept going. Um, and there was no one around me to say, okay, this is how we grieve. This is like, okay, let's go take a yoga class. Let's do our breath work. Let's go get a Reiki session or take a Reiki class or you know, any of the things that I offer right now. It was like, I hadn't even heard of that in my life. Um, and so I just kind of soldiered on, I graduated and making it through those four years. Like I was telling, um, Nemo and Jasmine before we started, I was four in a semester because that spring semester when my mom died, um, I, 
you know, my teachers, I was halfway through it, but it's like, my teachers were like, listen, you can't finish. So they kind of let me come back to summer school. So it extended my time at Auburn, which I wasn't mad about. I got an extra football season, right. And an extra delay going out into the real world. Um, but I soldiered on and then I graduated and I, I think I started therapy, um, the, my senior year at Auburn. And it was like, okay, so realizing, all right, this is cool. Someone, I go to therapy. All right. And then I was like, okay, I'm graduating. So I guess I don't know what to do now. I'll go get a job. I got a job right after I graduated. I'm traveling around the country, leasing apartments with class. And, um, I landed myself in Chicago on an assignment and I found, I took one yoga class in college with some girlfriends and it was really slow, not really my jam. And then I landed in Chicago and I was running eight, eight miles a day. And someone was like, you know, you should really try yoga. Cause I talked about, I had some soreness that was, I was experiencing. And I was like, it's too slow. And they were like, try heated yoga. You might really like it. So I tried it the first time I stepped onto the mat inside a heated yoga studio. It was in the Gold Coast in Chicago. Love Chicago, one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, and I again was met with that same puddle sensation of my world being turned upside down. But this time it was being turned right side up. But I wasn't sure because I was a mush on the mat. I had no idea how much trauma, how much sadness, how much grief was taking space and taking up shape in my body. From there, I knew, okay, yoga, this is something special. But I looked around and not a lot of people, I don't think anyone in that class was black um, practicing and or teaching. And so I said, hmm, okay, this is interesting. Um, my community, needs this. Like, this is something where I'm sure if my mother was able to practice this, I don't know if it would have prevented her. I'm not going to say it would have prevented her from getting cancer because I'm not going to say that, but I will say that it would have prevented her from holding her own traumas and grief and all these dark things that she held by way of experiences that happened to her throughout, happened to her throughout her life this surely could have been another outlet. Um, and so I knew I wanted more. I knew I wanted to share it with my community and I knew I wanted to teach. And so that's kind of where the idea, the seed was initially planted for ACE Yoga. Fast forward, me landing officially in Los Angeles, calling LA home in 2011, 2011. I ran out of excuses as to, um, I still was like thinking, okay, I still love yoga, doing yoga as much as I could, as much as I traveled, I'd always find a yoga studio. And in 2011, I landed here. I was like, okay, I really want to do my yoga teacher certification, but then came up one excuse after another, after another. And then in 2016, I ran out of excuses officially. It was like, okay, you got the time, you got the money, you got, there's no other reason now, but besides you just being scared. And so I decided to take my first yoga teacher training in 2016. And again, like I said, the ACE yoga seed was planted in 2000, was it 2007, 2007. Um, and then it took me um, to do the yoga teacher certification. And I'm the type of person where if I'm going to make an investment, which is a yoga teacher certification is a, an investment. It's not 
it was not free. They were not definitely giving them out like they are now, it seems, to um, uh, marginalized communities. Um, and they were like, listen, I don't care what you look like, you got to pay. Um, and so now with my, the investment that I made, I was like, listen, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to really do it. I have a marketing background. Um, and I said, all right, I'm going to create a brand. And so with my brand came, you know, Ace Yoga and the website and all these sort of things. And so the mission of the organization of Ace Yoga is simply that now to plant, to, to trust the seeds that are planted, to be in pursuit of joy, to help other people find joy in their life by way of yoga, by way of Reiki, by way of any sort of healing modality that's going to make you feel alive and open. And so even if you are in a dark space, our mission is to meet you where you are and invite joy along the, along the way. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm just, I feel so like, I feel like I'm in the heated room, but just feeling warm from you sharing that, that mind body connection that you had and um, overcoming a lot of that internal self-doubt and things that really getting out of, getting out of our own way to, to pursue when, when those seeds are planted and not ignoring the growth that can come from that. So um, thank you. Uh, something you mentioned about not seeing any Black people in the studio in Chicago. On the podcast, we like to talk about Black business owners um, and the, how really kind of the day-to-day -day that they experience. But specifically in the yoga market in L.A., how would you say um, Black residents are either included or excluded from yoga, the yoga practice and market? Um, that's a great question. Um, so in LA, in LA, I think that much like, I guess, in LA, I would say that there's definitely areas in studios to where you go and it's still very much you're going to be one of one, right? That's, that's, you know, but that's based off of, I feel like, the area of town that you're in, right? That's all contingent upon that. What I have noticed over the last um, six years or so of me, uh, six, seven years now of me teaching and being in these spaces is that studios have been doing their best to be as intentionally inclusive as possible. Some I've noticed kind of went like, you know, as much as like, you know, create doing their best to create a space where not just only the teachers feel safe to come and teach, or there's a brave space created, there's a container that's set, but students as well. So not making students feel like, listen, if you're coming to this studio, you're all welcome here. I teach it. I teach at two studios specifically, um, and I'm going to shout them out, White Heat Yoga in North Hollywood. Kinship Studios in Highland Park. And White Heat Yoga in North Hollywood is a bit more diverse as far as the teachers and as far as the community goes. And I think that has a lot to do with the area of town that we're in. And I feel like I, in going there, the owner and also the other teachers are all kind of part of such they all make a concerted effort to where, listen, if you're love, listen, everybody can come to yoga. 
everybody can do yoga. Everybody is welcome in the yoga studio, right? Especially if there's these two specific places. And I can, and I will preface from my vantage point and my lived experience this, right? And I'm not saying this is like across, everyone is gonna have the same experience, but people come up to me as like one of the, um, at Kinship, for example, there's a diverse population of teachers there, right? And there's, I think we have men and women from all different backgrounds. And so I think that what is so beautiful about that is it invites students to see, oh, okay, people look like me or, all right, I've seen some students here. I'm going to build some friendships here. I mean, at White Heat Yoga specifically, friendships, people have become family. She, relationships have happened by way of that. So really creating that, what yoga is all about, this Sangha Community Collective. In LA, specifically. Now, I have been in other parts of Los Angeles where, like I said, you're going to be one of one. You're, it's going to, you're going to go into a class and it's like, okay, been few and far between. And there's groups that I've had an opportunity to um, be part of and teach at Walk Good LA, for example, that create these amazing spaces for black and brown people to come and practice. And it's a safe space and it's beautiful. Etienne, Ivy and Marley have done an amazing job of creating these spaces. And I've been blessed to teach there several times in holding space. And you can just feel how electric it is. Um, and, but what I love, but I say all that to say, uh, Nemo, is that it's still not enough. It's still not enough. I'm, and, and like I said, I, I have great experiences and I have some not so warm experiences, but at the end of the day, it's still not enough. Like it's still not enough people of color doing yoga. And I honestly want more. And I also want more people who are of like, you know, like black and brown people to feel like, listen, we can go and do yoga and there's no sort of like barrier what I know I've come up against with family members for specifically is like, I had a cousin be like, I can't follow you anymore on Instagram because you worship Buddha. And I said, what? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean? First of all, like, huh? Like, where did you even gather that? Because I do yoga. And it's this whole misconception around yoga being this religion and it being like, and people who are like religious zealots are like, no, yoga is like, against God and all these kind of things, which is like, could not be more opposite, right? Like yoga is literally saved my life. And if more people like came from it, from a place of like, listen, like this is my business now, but before it wasn't my business, I was like, this saved my life. So I had to even re-engineer my mind around it to make sure that I have a space where I can go. I was just talking to a friend about this a space where I can go that's like mine, where I still get nourished and fed. Like, and I love going to the studios where I teach. The communities are amazing, but it's sometimes hard to not be in that teacher mode when you're at work, right? So again, like it's, 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 um, I want people to know that yoga is not this like religion. It is something that is accessible to everyone, no matter what God or who God you pray to. It is the asanas come like fourth down the line with regards to um, the eight limbs of yoga, like third or fourth. So it's not even the main thing. The main thing is breath, love, community, 
understanding, taking care of yourself, taking care of your community. And so we definitely need more spaces like that. And I want every single, all 36 million people or like 4 million people. And I think Los Angeles or something like that doing yoga, but it's definitely to answer your question. LA has done a great job. We're spoiled here. We have a lot of access here. We have a lot of things we can, we have a lot of options. Um, and I know that and I understand that, but there definitely could be more space. I'm so grateful for you being on the podcast right now. I just so many things. My first time doing yoga ever was with Walt Good LA here in LA. Um, when I first moved here, yeah, they were, everybody was like, oh, you got to go to black yoga. All these black people go to the park and they do yoga. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And this, a similar, just to share my experience, a similar experience for me, like I didn't realize how much tension and sadness and guilt and regret, like I was holding on to every time I went, I would go home crying and I'm like, bruh, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) but it's I'm crying on my way home and I'm like what is happening to me and like now it has gotten better because I've been doing it for six or so months but yes like the first three times I was like girl I'm coming home from yoga and I'm crying like what's going on um and I guess I have I'm gonna kind of go off script Nima which we try not to do but I have I guess a follow-up question is are you ever intentional about the places that you um select to teach a class or to host a class in LA knowing how neighborhoods are so segregated by race and by class to your point of the studios you teach in in North Hollywood and Highland Park great question um my very first um, workshop I ever did was in 2017 called I am free and it was inspired by the first time I went to Italy, the only time I've been to Italy um, since. And I realized I was like, I, I'm free. I could do this. I could lead retreats. I went on a retreat with my um, dear, dear friend um, who was hosting while she hosts um, retreats in Italy every year. And I went and it was like shortly after I'd gotten engaged. And so it was very interesting. It was like, um, okay, so I'm over here and my you know, fiance at the time. Um, and he's not with me, but we just got engaged, but I was like, I still feel free. I feel good. This is great. And I was there, the more I was there, the more and more I realized, oh, I'm actually not free. Oh, I'm actually not happy. Oh, I actually don't want to marry this person. What is going on? So (laughs) I came back to the States, Jen, who um, led the retreat, helped me put together um, a workshop and Jen's white. And I'm saying that for a reason. She has a friend or had, I don't know if the studio is still there or not, but she's a friend who owned a studio in Brentwood. Brentwood is a part of Los Angeles that is predominantly white, um, a predominantly affluent area. And I hosted the workshop there because I didn't know any better. I was like, okay, I'm going to host there. The owner of the studio could not have been more kind. It was my very first one. And she could not have been more generous on on the split and all those sort of things. Right. And she let me keep the bulk of the money. And she was just like, however, I can support you, whatever you need. I'm here for you. And I had a very interesting experience though, at the Pete's coffee there 
across the street from the studio in Brentwood. And it was very, you could tell, it was very uncomfortable for me as a Black person. And I was like, wow, okay, I just had this amazing workshop. Um, it was incredible. It sold out. It was my first one. And it was great. But from then, I said, first of all, my community is not here. My community is not over here. It was kind of a schlep for a lot of people to get to. And second to that, I was like, this is not it. It was, like I said, the, the studio owner could not have been more kind. So from there, I learned, okay, I got to be more intentional about, hey, where's my community? Where am I teaching? So go there, hold the workshops there, hold the one day retreats there. So I kind of, I did another workshop and it was at White Heat Yoga that following May. And it was beautiful. White Heat Yoga is my home studio it people know it my community is there so now having done that several times now workshops one day retreats all these sort of things i'm very if i'm collaborating with someone it's very important where the space where are we going what is the space like we just had a workshop at i um, mean oftentimes listen you got i'm being honest you got you find the place it's the best rate you know because you also like if you're hosting these things you don't want to gouge your guest in order for you to make money, you want people want it to be approachable, but you also want to make sure that the space aligns and it feels good and it aligns with your values. And so now I'm in a space where I'm very intentional about where I teach. I only teach at two studios. Um, I taught at another studio and I was like, this ain't it. I taught another one, this ain't it. And, um, but I'm in this place now where I have that flexibility to be like, no, I don't want to teach there. And I don't. Before I was like, anywhere I want to teach anywhere, whoever's going to hire me, I want to teach because it wasn't about the money. I just needed to be able to do yoga and to teach yoga and also while having a corporate job. So now that I don't have that anymore, then um, it's, I'm a lot more selective. I'll just provide context. Brentwood is the neighborhood where UCLA is located, the big university here in California. And then Walk Good is held at um, Kenneth Hahn State Park, which is in Baldwin Hills near View Park, and Ladera, which is the historically Black neighborhoods of LA. Um, just to provide context for our listeners who might not know the intricacies of neighborhoods in LA. From having this conversation on where um, where you specifically teach and kind of the the feeling and the environment that's provided there, once once they get there, I'm curious what some of the ways, what are some of the ways that ACE Yoga um, leaves that positive impact on Black health and wellness? Um, and also, I guess the second part of that too is um, once they get there, once they're in the space, once they're practicing, how that's part of the individual and collective healing um, in the Black community. Um, I love this. These are such great questions, y'all. I love this question um, because as someone who grew up um, in Baltimore, very black. <laughs> um, and then in fifth grade, moved to Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta, very white at the time. What y'all know now is black Hollywood in Atlanta is not the Atlanta that I grew up in. Okay, for the right, not the part of town where I grew up. And it was a very much a culture shock for me. But the activities that I was interested in were 
the predominantly white kids were doing them. So I was, it was me and one other girl, it was us two black girls and a rest white. So everything that I was doing, even me going to Auburn predominantly white institution, I ended up with a lot more white girlfriends than I did black, right? And I struggled with where I fit in, was I black enough? Did I belong? All of these sort of things, right? Transparently. And why I love this question is because back in 2020, when um, it was like, you know, brands coming, you know, it was like, we was lit. Black people, I mean, in my opinion, black people been lit. We always been lit, but it was like, okay. We were like, okay, you couldn't, I could not, I've had 50 events in Black History Month that I was like a part of. And I struggled with, cut, am I like, with these brands that are reaching out to me, are they doing enough for the black community? Will I be considered this, that, and the third? Like, will I be considered black enough? And I had a great conversation with um, uh, my friend Alimi, and who's an actor, he's incredible. We had a great conversation. He said, and we he prayed me down. He prayed, we had a, it was a sermon. He's a pastor, like just a healer. And he said to me, listen, when you look in the mirror, you're black, right? Yeah. So the work that you're doing each and every day for yourself, yoga, meditation, um, Reiki, working out, walking, drinking what you drink, eating what you eat, that is in service of the black community because you are the black community. So stop questioning whether or not what you do is enough because whatever you do for you is you doing that for the black community. So if a white company, a predominantly white company is gonna write you a check, take the check. If it feels right for you, do it and continue on your healing journey because there might be five people of color in my workshop or retreat. There might be two people of color or it might be 30 people of color. It doesn't matter because if I'm there, I'm, it's representative of the black community. So that's the impact that I've had to grapple with. And I had to come to understand with like me taking care of my black health and wellness is the impact is putting impact on the black community, the black health and wellness community. Cause I have an aunt who's 70 plus years old. I'm putting her on like my friend's brand, fun earth, mushroom chaga, all these sort of things. I'm having conversations with her about making her own milks and taking things out of her refrigerator. When I saw her in Baltimore, that's black health and wellness. That's the black community. But the only way I can do that with such ease and flow is if I digest it and learn it and own it myself. It can't be like this, I, it's not enough black people here, so I'm not helping the black community. It's like, no, there are intentional spaces that were created for black and brown people to feel safe and to go to. And I love that, right? Like, I love it so much. And when I go to these places, like when people show up, when they say yes to step on the mat, I'm personally not looking at, I see color. I'm not going to say I don't see color, but I'm not like second guessing my worth because it's not enough people that look like me in there anymore. And I used to, it was something where I was like, 
And people will be like, well, why don't you do anything that's specifically for black women? And I'm like, that's just not where I've been called to do. You know, like that, I, I am a black woman though. So anything that I do is in service of black women because when I look in the mirror, I see a black woman, right? I don't see anything else. So when I show up in these spaces and the impact that I do, it, it touches who it touches, but I know it's touching the black community because I'm part of the black community. So there's no way around it. Yeah, that's fantastic because I think that's something that black business owners often come across and it's a it's a challenge that we have to grapple with of like wanting to serve your community and then the the relationship of wanting to do that needing to make money wanting to do your your craft um and so I appreciate your your candor honestly about how you became comfortable with the decisions that you were making for you and for your business and for your brain and for your own practice. Um, I think it's all very important to understand your why. And as long as you completely understand your why, then you're good. You know, if, if you still questioning what's going on, you don't know which way to go, then you're, you're leaving your, you're letting someone else define you. And I really appreciate you explaining how you kind of got so comfortable with your experiences. Yeah, because it wasn't easy, but it was like, listen, either I'm going to continue this rhetoric of letting someone decide who I am and my worth, or I'm going to step into my own and realize I'm a child of God. And first and foremost, second of all, I'm doing this and my, and I had to realize my, my debts have been paid in full. I have paid my dues. Both my parents are deceased. I have been through the wire, the ringer, rain, sleet, and slope, all of the things. And yet, so I show up. So how can I ever doubt in my mind, I'm not enough in any capacity. So, and again, like I said, it wasn't easy because you, my main thing, I looked around and was like, there's not enough people like me that look in, in these spaces. This is not okay. But I also can't drag people to something that they're not ready for either. And I'm not saying the black community is not ready. It's just that. I, that's my personal experience where I was like, the impact is going to be the impact because I'm going to be there. And wherever I am, I'm supposed to be. And wherever I'm not, I'm not supposed to be there. So, <laughs> but thank you. I just, I love that so much. And I just keep thinking about how many areas of life that that apply, that that, like that thinking and assurance applies to. Um, and knowing, knowing you're enough, it's one thing to feel it. It's one thing to like, maybe fake it till you make it, but really just having that, that confidence and knowing that, um, as you mentioned, your ancestors and the, those that came before you and those that are no longer with us, um, and carrying that with you in the work that you do and knowing that, that it's enough. We spent some time looking through your social media pages and your website. And I was really struck by the fact that you do a kids and family yoga session. And so we just wanted to know what, what are some things that you notice and the difference between leading, I'll say your normal classes versus your kids and family classes. And what was kind of the inspiration for you to make that one of your offerings? So my business partner, um, who I met in 2020 and he's like, we're laughing or I don't know, just got done at a meeting or something. He's like, why don't you teach kids yoga? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never thought about it. He's like, you're so animated. You're so like, just like, 
loud and like, just like, and you're fun, you're happy, you're the happiest, you're the happiest black person I've ever met, you know, <laughs> like, and I was like, oh, well, thank you, because I'm so like, you know, just like in, in my joy, right, and I was like, okay, I never thought about it, and at first I was like, God, that's going to be a little scary, because kids, like, that could be intimidating, right? I don't have kids. I have a niece. I have two nieces now and a nephew, but you know, and my friends have kids. And so I was like, okay, well, let me give it a try. And I started these classes during COVID and we'd meet on Saturday mornings on zoom. And it was so fun. And the thing, it was like fun. The kids were all about it. They were open. And that's the big thing, Jasmine, is that kids are just open. They're curious. They ask you questions in the middle of it. They're like, care that we're doing this right now. I have a question right now. And they just like say what's on their mind. And they also like mimic what you do. So it also made me, it helps me to be more cognizant about, okay, if I'm, if I, they, they see me in a down dog, they're going to come into a down dog. So I got to make sure that what I'm saying is also what I'm doing because they're not like adults where I can tell you, downward facing dog and I could still be sitting on my knees right if we're in a yoga adult yoga class but the kids are like well if you're doing that I'm doing that right like there's you know and so I found again the biggest thing with kids is that they're open their their willingness to explore um <clears throat> their joy and their curiosity like they're just like I can do anything you know they I don't hear like when I teaching at my preschool um, I don't hear, I can't, they're just like, oh, okay. Or this hurts, or I hear like giggles and it's like all of these sort of things. They're just so open and their parents, you could tell, I have some clients where, you know, they'll, the parents will work out with the kids as, or do yoga with the kids as well. And they're more explorative too. And they're more, um, open and it just brings them more connected, right? It's like, okay, we're just not connecting over, um, our devices, right? It's like we're connected over movement. We're connected over um, just kind of this breath or really the kids like, kids are just like in it, man. They know it, they breathe, they meditate and like their attention span might not be as long, but it's okay. Like they were doing it. And um, the ex I just love the curiosity that children have about themselves. And my prayer is that as I have as it took me so many years to get back to that childlike curiosity myself. And even when I'm having, like yesterday was a super emotional and tender day for me. It was, some, you know, I have therapy and all of this stuff, all these things came up for me for my childhood. Um, it's just a gentle reminder to that all the ways in which we thought we could do anything and we can in fact do anything and to be courageous about it and say, Oh, like, I, maybe that didn't go right, but not beat ourselves up about it, right? Like kids, that's a learned behavior to beat yourself up about something because a kid can fall, think like one of the kids, like do a they can hurt themselves and they just get right back up, right? They don't like second guess their worth, right? Like I've never, never met a toddler <laughs> or a four-year-old that questions their worth, right? Like ever. And so um, just like, that's where I think that it's so invigorating. It was so inspiring. I'm so happy that that seed was planted um, by way of my um, business partner and me just having the 
the bravery and a little bit of fear and a little bit of courage to follow through. Thank you for sharing that story. I, I couldn't help but think about it. I feel like babies are always super flexible anyway, too. Like they, they yeah. stay in yoga poses. Like they're just, their knees are fresh. They and- get it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, y'all are just, and then they'll like be like, oh, and I'm like, y'all are four. What is uh for? Y'all don't have no bills. Like, what are you talking about right now? I teach at a middle school and they were like, they're hilarious. And they were just like grunting. And I'm like, y'all too grunt or y'all too young. Like, Y'all don't have to pay your tuition here. What's wrong? But they're just like, you know, they're just silly, but they're going to ask questions because they want to know and they're curious. And so it makes it really exciting. (laughs) I can't imagine teaching at a middle school. I I was the worst version of myself in middle school. So I can only imagine someone coming into my middle school and trying to teach. We would have been so ignorant. It would have been so bad. Like I can't only imagine. (laughs) Yes, but we made it here. I'm the same. I'm like, what? I was like, was I this weird? Was I this awkward? Was I this way? And and yeah, yeah, you were. I don't care how perfect of a child you were. You were still somebody's pain in the ass. <laughs> in the most loving way. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what are some of the plans that you have for Ace Yoga in 2023 that you want to share? Oh yeah, I would love to. And I actually like, you know, I um, have, uh, we have the podcast that just, we just came, uh, launched our, it's back set season two. We just dropped our newest episode today, um, February 16th. So um, that new, that podcast is back. We're going to have guests on as well, which I'm excited because the first 10 episodes, it was me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to interviewing a lot of women, um, entrepreneurs, uh, this year and people who still maintaining the theme that bring me joy and their collective community joy. Um, I'm growing my team. So growing ACE yoga, great growing ACE enterprises, LLC. So we're growing the team and um, bringing, you know, more products online with my Geneva brand, um, with my I Am Collection, my candle line. So growing that um, as well. And then we're also adding merchandise. And then additionally, like, of course, we have our retreats. So planning some retreats, some local ones here in LA, um, some ones that might be out of out of town, like up in Joshua Tree, Desert Hot Springs, Um and we'll go international, I'm sure, at some point again this year. Um, so we've got some retreats. We'll have some retreats coming up, panels that we'll be putting together, and growing the marketing agency as well. So growing that um, in for businesses, no matter what size, so they can have a fresh perspective for their brand. So just gro- growing, just growth um, and full body faith. And, you know, we have... Uh, we have so many, like, I want to do um, some more like teacher trainings. Um, I'm in a sound bath training right now. So I'm really looking forward to um, adding even more sound to my offerings. I bring the sound bowl with me when I go to the um, kids yoga to the preschool. Um, and that's really beautiful. But even the under with the understanding of learning more about sound in my sound bath training um, and how it is such a, it's been such a paramount healer on this journey over the last three years for me specifically. Um, I used to make a lot of noise when I was little because I was 
um, when I was younger because I was angry and I didn't know that people would listen to me if I wasn't yelling. And so talking about, you know, being the worst version of ourselves at um, such a tender age, a lot of it was just steeped in built up trauma and stress for me that, you know, when you're young, you don't even know that you're stressed out. You just feel tense all the time. So now getting to a place where I don't yell anymore and it's not noise that I'm making, but it's sounds, whether it even be silence um, and meditation, breath work and all those sort of offerings. And so doing more of more, more of that, um, I want to be able to, my auspicious goal is to uh, do a TED talk. So we'll have a TED talk at um, some point. Um, so just getting prepared for when that happens soon. Um, and yeah, just speaking more, using my voice, using my um, platform to um, enhance upon those are who are doing work in their communities. Um, and again, specifically women, women who are making a difference, who are bringing joy to not only themselves, but to the community around them. So it's really, we have a lot that we are doing, a lot that is happening that we've written down, right? You write it down. You're like, okay, I've written it down. I'm doing the work, but also I'm letting God and I'm letting the universe to um, do its job as well, right? So I'm really looking forward to what I will glean from the land when I go back to Africa um, and go to Zambia and Zimbabwe. So who knows what'll come from um, that experience and cooking more. Um, Chad, I might start dating. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> I went on one date in January and I was exhausted. I was like, okay, this is like, but it was a great date. It was a great date, but then also understanding that liking yourself is very important when you're dating, liking who you are and not going on these dates to convince someone to like you, liking you, like really, like I have a book that I read to the kids. I like me. So making sure that you like you um, and also a practice of discernment um, and enhancing upon my boundaries and discernment. So not everybody's getting all my honey <laughs> right away. But yeah, I'm like, you know, and recognizing that there's so much love in my life. And I love that you said, um, uh, uh, Nemo, at the beginning about how this is love week and how, you know, we've been um, in this space of like, I've been seeing it too, which is like, I love love so much. And I used to just think like, oh, it was only predicated to like relationship, romantic love. But it's like, no, I'm in love with all of my girlfriends. I am in love with my work. I love my business partner. Like, I love my like clients like that. I just get to, I love my life. I'm li literally living my best life, like my dream life. If I could write my day to day, it would look like what I'm doing now. And that's, you couldn't have told me that when I was 19 and my mother died. You, I couldn't have seen that for myself at 21, 22, 23 graduating and going out into the world and not having a mom or a dad as like a safe space to land. And really all in all, and I guess I forgot to mention this early with the full mission of everything I do is to have people come to my classes, to my retreats, to my workshops as a client, listen to my podcast, and it'd be a soft, safe space to land if only for a moment. So more of that for Ace Yoga in 2023 and beyond. 
Thank you so much. I love that. And I think you started the episode talking about plans and something came across my mind whenever I, I write things down and I might pray on those things, I always remember to say like, but if you have something bigger planned or something different, I'll take that route too, because I know that what I, I believe in God. So I know that what God has in his plan, I can't even imagine because I don't have all of the sight in the capacity that he has. So I just, I say that to say, I think your plans are great, but I'm so excited to see what else comes from it because we write things down based on our own knowledge, our own experiences, what we've seen others do, but we don't know what's out there in the world for us to take on. That's right. That's right. That, that, listen, like I said, it's like without works is dead. You got to do the work in the natural so the super can take care of you. But listen, if I'm ready for whatever you have for me, God, truly, truly, madly, deeply, I am. Like, I wrote all this down. I got the bullet, all this stuff. That's cute. If it's cute to you, you're like, oh, that's so cute. Look, she thought that was that's so cute. It's like, okay, well, he knows. But I'm stepping out. I'm going to Africa. You know, <laughs> like, I'm going to Zambia and Zimbabwe. I'm going wherever I'm told to go. If it's me and one person, me and 50, I'm going, you know, no matter what. So, yep. <laughs> we always like to end the episode with um, some takeaways for this conversation, anything that came across your mind we were having this conversation. So, Nemo, I'll start with you. What are kind of your takeaways? I know I have my notepad out tonight. I'm, I have a homework assignment from therapy that I haven't done yet. And I got a session on Tuesday. So I'm just like, I've been like working through it as we've been going through this call. So let me see. Um, I think one thing that really stood out to me that I've been thinking about, one, like I mentioned in the beginning of the call and like the self-love um, and how I see the people that I love, love themselves and uh, especially as, you know, um, I've been on a growth journey and, and healing journeys and that never really stops. But I think the more self-aware and uh, um, in love with yourself you become, you can identify and see and observe uh, um, areas and people that you care about that you, like you said earlier, Ace, you they may not be ready for. <laughs> and so just being patient with that and just understanding and being, being still being there and showing up for people. Um, but what I wrote down, something that you said related to the kids is that beating yourself up is a learned behavior. Um, and so just remind, remind a reminder to myself and um, hopefully to people listening and people that I care about that, that we can unlearn that too. And we can continue to show up and show love and really embrace joy. That's another I'll, I, That's another thing. I'm thinking a lot about my vision board that I made um, at the beginning of this year. Um, and a lot of the things that stand out on that vision board is joy, images of joy, images of Black women with their girlfriends, having fun, turning up, skateboarding, you know, dancing, and also a really big uh, statement that I cut out that's a joyful resistance. Um, and I put that on there and I'm still figuring out what that looks like. Um, but I know I'm signed up for a hot yoga class on Monday and I'm going on a black woman hike on a Saturday, on Sunday. And those are all things that I know bring me joy and even just this conversation. And so I'm really excited, excited for this conversation and for people to hear and then for my own journey to continue seeing what joyful resistance looks like to me. 
Ace, we'll give you the last word. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but I think I will. My biggest takeaway, and it kind of was our premise for wanting to put this episode together and wanting to put the Black Health and Wellness theme together, was seeing a lot of what I've called the collective trauma amongst Black people in this country um, and thinking about the way that mindfulness and yoga and meditation and other forms of healing can be something towards um, a solution of our own trauma. So not a solution around what is happening to us um, or the attacks on us, but like what we can do to heal ourselves from that kind of world that exists outside once we come home. And so, but I did, I do remember I'm from Jersey. When I went back home and was telling my 90 year old grandfather and my 65 year old uncle, like, yeah, I did yoga and I go on hikes and they're like, what you did? What? I don't get it. And, um, when you talked about, you know, your cousin saying, oh, I can't follow you anymore because you practice, you you worship Buddha. I do think there's a lot of learning to be done. And I think Black people have, are used to trauma and are used to not releasing it, having grief, holding on to it, different things like that, working through it, grinding through it, resisting it. Um, and I think once we start to unload and like really let it out there will be a true revolution so that's just my biggest takeaways I, I want whether it's not like yoga isn't for everybody in this conversation isn't to say but everybody should do yoga because it will solve all of our problems but it's just like taking taking that moment whatever it looks like for you to heal whether it's for your day for your week for your year for a time period in your life um that's what we wanted these two episodes, the first on physical activity and well-being to say, okay, look, these are leading causes of death amongst Americans and leading causes of death amongst black people. These are the statistics around how many trees are available in black neighborhoods, how many parks, the quality of those parks, air quality, water quality, all of these different issues. And now we're having that conversation around trauma and grief and all of these different depressive things. And so I just want to have a our theme this year was health and wellness to kind of bring in the fact that it's a bigger circle than just working out or just doing yoga it's a it's a part of your lifestyle to heal and so that's my takeaway yeah there that's that's those are so beautiful such beautiful takeaways and um what real that really sparked something um jasmine what you just said as far as like we're so used to trauma we're so used to struggle we're so used to the the strife that comes right but what if we just got used to the fact that like yes things life some things will happen and reshaping it from a to me versus huh wow that was pretty i didn't i had no idea that this that would lead me here right like happened for me right like the traumas in which i experienced i would wish on no one um, however, I went through it, 
and I went through it and I got through it and I'm here today. And so my take, my takeaways from this was initially the conversation starting with love, right? Like love, love is like, it's not just for um, one person. It's not even for just a romantic relationship. I don't even, I'm doing my best to not delineate between friendships and relationships is everything is a relationship. We're all in relationship with nature. We're in relationship with our podcast hosts. We're in relationship with our friends, our girlfriends, our, you know, our boyfriends, girlfriends, significant others, right? Spouses and realizing that in, if I could have, you know, spent time having this conversation, bringing my mother along on a hike or doing a yoga class with my mom. Like, like, I love that you mentioned where it's not just the physical component of it. It's very important because of statistics historically and whatnot, right? It's good to have that scientific backing and information, but it's not, it's not just all the physical, it's the mental stuff. Like the pancreas, what the pancreas is closely related to is holding anger and bitterness and frustration and resentment. So if we aren't taught to let that go, like the generations that came before us aren't taught to move that shit out, then we hold it and it takes up shape somewhere. And so one of my biggest takeaways from our conversation today is to, I love that you both were so warm and welcoming with the transparency that I, as a black woman hold in as someone who has experienced life in predominantly white spaces, but not letting that define my worth any longer. And also, you know, spirit, God being the guiding light, like that big takeaway that you reminded me is like, yeah, listen, like you can write your plans, you can write them down, you got your notes, you do your homework, but at the end of the day, God's the boss. And we, our brains are as beautiful and as bright and as expansive and smart as we all are, they're still not big enough to hold the magnitude in which God has, the magnitude of greatness God has planned for our life. So, and it's not supposed to, we're just supposed to be here doing our little thing and our natural element. Um, and that's, and that's okay. So yeah, I just want people to be able to remember that to stay curious um, I love that, you know, the children's question, staying curious, staying honest. And um, I like that you brought up, uh, Nemo, that, it, you know, the learned behaviors that we pick up along the way do not define us. They are not the boss of us. Just because we learned how to second guess ourselves doesn't mean we still need to second guess ourselves. And this is coming from someone who literally two weeks ago had to work through second guessing their worth on something that they know good and damn well they were very much <laughs> like qualified to do, right? So yeah, that's 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 you know some takeaways for me. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm like sad. I feel like we could go for another hour. Truly. Truly. <laughs> so I'm a little sad. That, we need like, a round two. Y'all have to come on the podcast. <laughs> yes, please. We we are ready. We are ready. Um, and I'm excited to hear too that all of the things you have going on in 2023. And um, I'm glad we are we are now in contact and connected and 
Um, can't wait to see what's next. Um, and, uh, you know, as we wrap up, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for, for joining us on our Black History Month journey. Um, it is Black History Month. Um, however, Jasmine, Ace, we are Black every day, every, every, every week, um, all year long. Um, and you can listen and follow us at the number four degrees pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we drop episodes every other Tuesday. Peace out, y'all.